Service Dog Saturdays. Welcome to the Weekend and Acknowledge Dogs podcast. It is Saturday. This is where we talk about service dogs. How can we make our dogs better? How can we desensitize them to environmental stimuli? And how can we teach them tasks to help those who need it? Service Dog Saturdays. You're listening to Acknowledge Dogs podcast. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Welcome to the show, guys. I am your host, Michael Aceta, owner and head trainer of Matador Canine. If you need help training your dog, head over to matadorcanine.com. Again, that's matadorcanine.com and ask for a free consultation. We can get you started and help you reach your goals faster than if you tried to do it on your own. Welcome to the show. Today, we are talking about assistance dogs. Assistance dogs. You may have heard the term service dogs. That is a subcategory of assistance dog. Assistance dog is the overarching umbrella of any dog that is taught to assist us with something. How simple, right? They're assistance dogs. They're meant to help supplement something we're already doing. And they fall under three main titles. Service dog being one of them. Service dog is probably misused often and the most common that you hear. Oh, I have a service dog. I have a service dog. Oh, I met a service dog. I worked with a service dog. Whatever it may be. So service dog is probably the most common. Below that is an ESA, emotional support animal. And finally, we have therapy dogs. Therapy dogs are a complete different classification, but they're still under the category of assistance dogs. So let's break down each one of these. We'll go through each one. We'll kind of see what they can do, what they can't do, what they're used for, and that kind of stuff. So starting off, service dog. Service dog is any dog that is partnered with an individual with disabilities and has been trained on two or more tasks. Okay, It has to be trained for two or more tasks. There is no certification for a service dog, which is where we have problems of individuals saying, oh, I have a service dog but they don't know that there's a difference between service dog and ESA and therapy dog, and so they start using these terms interchangeably, and it gets more and more confusing. So a service dog has to be trained at two tasks, two individual separate tasks to help and aid an individual with disability. Now, those tasks can be anything. Okay, There is no standard that a service dog has to, let's say be able to open a door and retrieve items. Those tasks might be helpful, but if an individual suffers from PTSD-induced nightmares, the dog hasn't doesn't have to do that. The dog has to be able to wake that individual up from sleeping and protect them. And you know that you know what I mean? So each individual will have different requirements from their dog. 
And their dog is going to have to do different things, you know, depending on the scenario and the situation and all that good stuff. But service dog also have public access anywhere. You cannot be denied if you have a legitimate service dog in any space. Whether that be a restaurant, a private owned company, a, a public place, anywhere that you can go, your dog can go. Now, there are some places that can request that you leave, but I do not believe you have to abide by that. That could be discriminatory. So, just putting it out there. Now, that is different from an ESA and a therapy dog. The public access is different. Service dog has public access anywhere, even while training. Okay, so if you have a a vest, a service dog in training, they can go anywhere for training. A professional should be doing it, or at least you with the guiding of a professional, but anywhere you can go, a service dog, either fully or in training, can go. Period. Now, an ESA, an emotional support animal, cannot go anywhere. Can go at a very limited number of spaces. Can really only go where you live. And even then, there are stipulations in place. Certain size requirements, there's certain uh, locations in the building probably. There also might be an added fee. So emotional support animals are allowed in most residential buildings under the stipulation that they are actually a emotional support animal. Now emotional support animal, an ESA, does not have to have any trained tasks. They do not have to have any trained tasks. They are simply there for emotional support, hence the name. So an emotional support animal and a service dog are not the same thing, and they cannot be the same thing. You cannot have a service dog be a service dog at one point, but then an emotional support at another point. A service dog might offer you emotional support, but you can't title them the same thing. Okay. The other thing is, if you live in an apartment and your dog is classified in an ESA... You cannot then bring that dog to a store and say, well, he's a service dog. That would be incorrect. That's not how it works. And again, of course, there's no certifications on any of this. And so that's where we have a problem. Finally, we have therapy dogs, which are probably the most restricted out of the three assistance dogs. Therapy dogs can only be brought to specific locations based off appointments while acting as a therapy dog with the handler. So you have to take a therapy dog test. Okay, this is the only one that you have to actually take a test for. You have to take a a therapy dog test. You get certified as a therapy dog. You are then able to work as a therapy dog in nursing homes, in you know, child daycare centers, in hospitals, anything like that. The therapy dog would come in and just provides emotional relief. They just provide some kind of relief for the individuals in that space. And they wear very particular signage and patterns or uh, patches. And then when they're off duty, they don't have the title of therapy dog. The other part is an individual who let's say lives with the dog, can't bring the dog unless they have taken the test with the therapy dog. The therapy dog is only a therapy dog 
when with the person who took the test to certify that dog. It is a team effort. The handler and the therapy dog are a team. If one of them isn't there, there is no therapy dog team. Super, super important. So service dogs have access anywhere. ESAs only have access in residential places. And then therapy dogs only have access while acting as a therapy dog. And it has to be based off appointment and signage and all that stuff. It can't just go anywhere. So why is it so important to distinguish between the three? They're all trained at different levels. They all have different requirements, which means we have to treat them differently. Now, you could say that there are some dogs in the world that are perfectly tempered and well-behaved and they should be able to go anywhere, but they're not. Why is that? Well, that's a great question, and I don't actually know the answer. Why can't we have dogs everywhere? I could hypothesize as to why we can't have dogs everywhere. If we could have dogs everywhere, we are trusting the moral compass of individuals to bring a well-behaved, even-tempered, balanced dog into an area and to have complete control over that animal. In most cases, that individual is not going to have the same control over their animal as a trained professional. They might, and they might have a very well-tempered dog. But even trained professionals have dogs that are a little quirky and weird and have behavior problems, usually because no one else is going to take those dogs. So they end up taking those dogs. So if we let everybody bring any type of dog into any space, for a short period of time at least, there's going to be accidents, there are going to be attacks, there's going to be bites, someone's going to drop the leash, the dog's going to get loose, accidentally get hit by a car. And the individuals who have spent years training and perfecting and working with their dog are going to suffer because everything's going to shut down and go, nope, can't have dogs in here. I don't care where they came from. I can't trust my my patrons. I can't trust my clients. I can't trust anybody that walks in the door with an animal because of the terrible things that have happened. The lawsuits that I've had to go through are not going to be a thing. Right? That's what somebody's going to say. Nope, can't. I'm sorry, can't have a dog in here. I don't mean to discriminate, but And then you got new legislation passed about any animal can't be in a space or something like that. So it's really doing a disservice to those who need those service dogs in those spaces. If you need a guide dog, right, you need a dog to get around. Yes, you can get around on your own, and that's a prerequisite to getting a guide dog. You have to be able to navigate the world, but it is so much better. To have a dog guide you. Personally, I have I have worked with guide dogs, and I, I've done blindfold tests where you actually blindfold yourself and you have the dog guide you through certain areas. And the difference is remarkable. Trying to get through the world without seeing anything is incredibly difficult. But to have somebody basically hold your hand and walk you through and say, let's go a little bit to the right. We're going to hit that garbage can. Great, we missed that garbage can. Okay, now I'm going to stop at the curb so you don't go out into the street. Dogs stop at curbs to let their handlers know they're not going in the street. Of course, you know, if you're using the cane, you can feel the curb and you can stop. But I would rather trust a dog that knows it's going to stop and it's been trained for years. And if if I couldn't bring my service dog, and guide me through the supermarket, I'm not going to the supermarket. 
Amazon is just going to become a bigger monopoly. I'm just going to order everything off Amazon, have it delivered to my house. And I'll teach my dog to go retrieve it from the front door. Right? So if we if we shut down access for individuals that would like access, right? already so much of their life is spent in their house. They want to go out and they want to do things. And if we ruin that by not allowing dogs anywhere, <clears throat> we're just doing a disservice to them. The other part is morally it's just wrong. If you do not have a service dog and you are pawning off your dog as a service dog, it's a problem. You you need to talk to somebody, right? Because you are intentionally lying because you want something for you, right? You are lying about what you have and the amount of training that you've done. Clearly, some individuals, just do a quick Google search, watch on YouTube. Some individuals take their ESAs or any other dog that they classify as an assistance dog, whatever other titles they use, and they bring them into public spaces, and the dog is out of control. And when asked to leave, they just pull an ESA card or a service dog card. Oh, well, it's a service dog. And the manager goes, okay, well, I can't kick him out, but you got to get better control of your dog. And now it becomes discriminatory. That's a problem. That is a problem. The manager's trying to do right by his business and company, the owner is lying. The dog has no idea what's going on. If your dog is out of control and it's a legitimate service dog and you have a problem, head over to matadorcanine.com. Right on the front page, you can book a free consultation and we will talk about it. We will get you right on the, the right path. Okay, We're going to get you started. We're going to start implementing certain things that you need to get back on the right track. But if you do not need a service dog in those environments, you shouldn't have a dog with you in those environments. It just doesn't make sense. I know you love your dog, and I know you want your dog there. I love my dog. I would bring my dog everywhere if I could. But there are some situations where you just can't bring them. And lying about it is one of the worst things you can do. I don't know what the penalty is in the court of law for lying about a service dog, but that would be interesting to see what it is. Of course, the other problem without having certification is can I accuse you of lying? Right? There's no certification that says yes or no to service dog. You can go buy, and I think it's a scam, right? You can go buy a certification online, but that doesn't mean that it's a real certification. It doesn't mean anything because there is no certification. You I think it's like $149, something like that. And it's a whole packet. You get a vest, you get a name tag, you get an ID card, you get all this stuff. That's not a real certification. There's no test, first off. Right? Certifications, in most cases, if not all cases, require some kind of test or proof of experience, proof of requirements met for the certification. If it's just, oh, what's your credit card number and what's your address so we can ship you the supplies, that's not a certification. That is a scam. That is one of the biggest scams in the dog training industry, and that is awful. If you've done that, I'm sorry you wasted your money. If you plan on doing it, you're welcome. I just saved you from spending that money on something that's useless. Put in the time, put in the effort, have a dog that's perfectly trained, 
Again, if you need help, head over to matadork9.com. It's matadork9.com. We will help you. Service dogs can go anywhere. ESAs can only go in residential places. Therapy dogs can go anywhere when they are acting as therapy dogs. Now, what happens if you want to switch your dog from one to the other? I guess you could do that. Got to put in the work. And you can't use the title interchangeably, right? They can't be an ESA when you're at home and then you want to bring them and have them be a therapy dog. Right? I mean, I guess you could do that, but you can't do the service dog part. But if you're going to have your dog be an ESA and then a therapy dog, it's got to be clear. And you can't fuddle the lines. Right? You can't say, oh, it's a therapy dog. A therapy dog certification might help you in the apartment search, just like a canine good citizen test will help you. Right? If you actually get your dog to pass the canine good citizen test and you show your renter that, if you live in an apartment complex, then it can help maybe waive some fees, maybe convince them that your dog is well-behaved and should be able to live in the apartment that you want to live in. Otherwise, you got to find a whole different apartment. Right? You're, you're just showing them that the dog you have has passed a test that proves they are more respectful, more well-mannered than the average dog. Better than the average bear, right? So that's can I good citizen. That has nothing to do with service or ESA or therapy dog. It just that was a quick tip right there. Can I good citizen test? Take it. It can help you out with apartments. But therapy dogs, there's a, there's a couple different tests that they have to do, okay? And when they pass those tests, then they can go on to visiting people and individuals. So, if you want your dog to be a therapy dog, you have to have your dog focus around distractions. You have to be able to move through crowds comfortably and respond to you, not just go towards everybody they see. They have to be able to ignore food. They have to be okay with medical equipment like a wheelchair or a hospital bed or things like that. They have to be able to do a 20-foot recall. They have to know basic obedience. Basic obedience. Sit down, stay, come, heal. Right? They just have to be with you, focused on you, despite all other distractions of food and people and excitement and all that. They have to focus on you. They also have to be calm. Okay, I'll tell you guys a quick story. It's my favorite story I tell everybody. Dog's name was Neptune. Okay? He was not meant to be a therapy dog. Okay? He was he was not meant to be a therapy dog under any means. And this was while I was training dogs in college. I was learning about training. This is my second year. Yes, second year. And dog's name was Neptune. I loved him. I loved Neptune. I would take Neptune any day of the week, despite my financial situation or anything like that. I would take Neptune in a heartbeat. He was a pit bull Dutch shepherd cross. Beautiful dog. Loved him. Goofy as all hell. And we were in a therapy dog class. We were learning about therapy dogs. We were studying therapy dogs. And we were going to take the therapy dog test at the end of this class. We had 15 weeks to train a dog from start to finish to be a therapy dog. I do have to precursor this with the fact that Neptune was used in other classes for other things. So when you're training your dog for service or ESA or therapy, that should really be the only thing you're teaching them. Don't try to do schutzen. Don't try to do bite work when you're trying to teach your dog to be calm around people. Don't be doing agility when you need them to relax and stay calm. 
Don't be doing frisbee when you need them to relax and stay calm. Don't do anything exciting. Only reward calm, relaxed behavior. Because that is one of the most important parts. Your dog can't be jumping around, freaking out every time they see a ball. Because you're going to then have to desensitize that later on. And the more exciting you make that ball, the harder it's going to be to desensitize. Right? You need your dog to be with you, focused on you, despite all other distractions. So with Neptune, he was used in a search class, okay, a tracking and search class. So he would have to find an individual with his ball and get super excited to see them. That's what motivated him to pull somebody along a trail and get to that person. We were, they were also doing some agility with him. He did a whole bunch of stuff. He just he had so much energy he could do things all day long. So I was tasked with trying to teach him therapy dog work, and he, this was not his thing. He did not enjoy it nearly as much as he enjoyed searching and finding people and getting his ball. Clearly. One's boring and laid back, and you just get rewarded for relaxing. And the other version is overexcitement and crazy and wild, and that's the kind of dog he was. So... The day the test comes, we had done all the behavioral training that we had to do. We taught him every task. In practice, he was able to do those tasks with a you know a fair amount of accuracy. We never got up to a variable reward schedule, which if you know about variable reward schedules, um, you can go back and listen to our podcast about it, or you can message me on any social media platform, and I'll be more than happy to help you understand variable reward schedules. It's one of my favorite techniques for training dogs. But we did not get up to it. We did not have enough time. By the time he had finally learned it, we were working on intermittent reward schedules, and we did not get to a variable, which is clearly a lot better when you can't use treats on the test. Okay? Can't use toys, can't use treats. So then, I ran Neptune for two hours before this test. That's the kind of energy level this dog had. I woke up early, I got the dog, I ran him forever on a football field. So he would run back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he just kept running and running and running. So I finally get him to like lay down. <laughs> he finally is like, all right, maybe I'll take a break. So he lays down. I put the leash on him, we go inside, we're ready to take the test. I put him into a down. I tell him the word relax, which he learned as a nice calming behavior, roll your hip, almost lay down on your side. And we had worked on duration with it. So he was going to stay there for a relatively long time, which was great. At least I thought. The evaluator comes in, starts getting all the paperwork and everything. And all these other dogs come in. I have a whole bunch of dogs in one small room going to take this test. And the evaluator comes in and she's handing out paperwork. As she hands me the clipboard, Neptune jumps. Right then and there. Done. Over. That was it. That was it. That was the that was the failure of the great Neptune. He jumped up at a clipboard. But that is enough to have a dog fail the therapy dog test. Why? Because if a dog jumps up on an elderly person, that person's going down. If a dog jumps up on a kid, that kid's going down. And in both those scenarios, those individuals are going to get hurt. So how is it that for therapy dogs, we have such high standards, which are important. I'm not saying they're not. I'm saying it's important. But why don't we have those standards for service dogs? Why don't even we have those standards for ESAs? 
If your ESA isn't better than the average dog, then just say you have a dog, right? Any dog can provide you emotional support. So an emotional support animal should have slightly more in terms of manners and training. That's in my opinion. You shouldn't have an out-of-control ESA that causes more stress to you. right? Animals can cause us stress, just like we can cause stress to animals. So if your animal is causing you stress, that's a problem. You need to get that resolved. Head over to Matador Canine. Let me help you out. Okay. If your dog is causing you stress, you need help, especially if they're supposed to be an ESA and actually give you emotional support. doesn't make sense for them to be giving you emotional support and stress. That's going to drive you nuts. It's a weird relationship where people are with you and then they're not with you and you get abandonment issues and it's terrible. That's not what you want. You want a reliable, loyal companion that's going to be there every step of the way that you need them. So service, ESA, and therapy are all assistance dogs and every assistance dog should have some level of training, some level of understanding basic obedience commands, manners, a solid leave it, and desensitizing to the environment in which they live. I'm not asking for dogs that live in the country to be okay with living in the city, unless that dog goes to the city. But a dog that lives in the city should also be able to live in the country. A dog that lives in the country should also be able to live in the city and should be able to adapt. And you as the handler, the owner, should be able to have the skills to train those dogs in that environment without worry, again, without stress. We don't want to stress our dogs out and we don't want to be stressed. These dogs are there to assist us through life. So let's assist them in doing so. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on any social media platform. I'll see you guys there. Thank you for listening to the episode. If you think family or friends would benefit from what you heard today on Acknowledged Dogs, please share it with them. You can post it on Facebook. We are also on every social media platform, so make sure you tag us, Matador Canine. You can also head over to Matador Canine and schedule a free consultation to talk about coaching and reaching the goals with your dog and those problem behaviors. Reach the goals that you want and have the dog that always listens.